everyone. Today's podcast guest is Paper Thins, a PUBG caster residing in Korea. He's the first guest outside of the StarCraft 2 scene, so we cover some of the basics of the PUBG scene, but mostly we find common ground in our approach to casting. He's also one of the first friends I made in Korea about five years ago, so hearing his journey into becoming a mainstay caster was really cool. Hope you guys enjoy listening to episode six, not five, like I'm about to say. Oops. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Caster Calls Zombie Grub episode five. We are here with Paper Thin, a CSGO, sorry, I've been saying CSGO a lot, PUBG caster. <laughs> People are all excited. I wish. Sorry, a PUBG <laughs> caster from Korea. You also do a couple other um, esports as well, basically that freelance lifestyle, but over in Korea. But I actually met you years ago at this point um, through Tasteless, mutual friend, right? And I knew you back when you were starting just as yep. a just a, a teacher, <laughs> and you know, and you were like had the esports dream. So it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like there's a a long journey to tell here. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for actually taking the time out of your day to do this. Um, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this. Uh, you know, yeah, you and I met a long time. It's weird to think it's been this long already. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is really cool that you're doing this. I really like this project, uh, that you're working on here and, uh, thanks again for having me. I'm really, I'm really uh, excited to do this. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone else is just like, yeah, no worries. No problem. But you're like, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I like these kind of things. I don't know. I, I, I like, I like look forward to this all day. I'm like, yeah, I get to talk about casting like this is like what i do like with my friends at, like when we sit around at like a, a cafe or a bar or something like we're just sitting there talking theory about casting and our craft and so it's like exciting to like yeah. do this i mean that's exactly why i wanted to do it you know like i kind of had the idea a couple more than a couple months ago and then went to some events and just it would happen i get into a really interesting conversation with one of the co-casters and and i'd be like well this is why this is like this is stuff i want to talk about like really in depth so i also wanted to yeah, basically everyone's point of view from all walks of esports, very different styles of casting when it comes to changing between RTS to MOBA to to shooters, you know, different types of shooters as well. So I'm coming out of mm. the IU a little more of the of the novice, you know, like with the other guys for StarCraft, I can at least I mean there's a lot of things I can reference and just be like, Yeah, exactly. I know that exact feeling, but you may actually be coming from a place I'm just gonna be like, oh oh shoot i've never really thought of that you know i've played PUBG and i've, I've played <laughs> some shooters as anyone has but uh I, there's a lot of things i just i just don't know so i know you've covered some of these things with tasteless over on his podcast as well but i am actually still wanting to share with the uh this podcast i guess these listeners here how did you actually get from being just a guy in Korea to getting to be on the like a world stage for PUBG? Sure. Um, so to give a little bit of history, um, I use I've always been into esports. Uh, I was a competitive Halo player for a long time back in the you know mid to late two thousands. Um, Halo three specifically uh went to some mlgs and that kind of thing just like competing um kind of dabbled in a few other games here and there uh but mostly was just kind of watching and doing these things um i was working it in america for a long time and 
uh, when I turned about 30, I kind of, I kind of had my midlife crisis, I guess, at that point, <laughs> like you could call it that your third life, cri- your, you know, like whatever <laughs> yeah. you want to say. And uh, I realized I wasn't happy in America. And I, there's a lot I didn't like about living there and working there and various things. And so I just sold everything I basically had except for some clothes and like a computer and that's about it. And then I moved to Korea. Um, so I already knew, um, tasteless actually, uh, we have a mutual friend. That's how we actually met each other. Uh, his friend from high school is my friend Mm -hmm. in college. We were actually both in this guy's wedding. So that's like, that's how close we are to each other. So he kind of encouraged me to come out here. I had actually taken a vacation out here a couple times, uh, to see him as well as some other people out here. Uh, I kind of would split my time between Japan and Korea. Uh, and then I, I kind of talked to Nick and a few of our other friends here, and they hooked me up with a teaching job out here, which is pretty pretty good. They're really not that bad. I mean, if you can find a good school, they're pretty easy to do. And uh, so I did that for a little while. And on the side, I was kind of always interested in esports, of course. And I, I, I wanted to get involved in esports. And early on, I told Nick, I said I wanted to be an ambassador for esports because I really love esports, uh, like all esports, not just shooters or anything like i like mobas i like league of legends i like starcraft a lot i've been watching starcraft since the golden tv days uh you know back msls osls all these things so that's kind of what i told nick and he's like well he's like i don't know man he's like he's like you should just kind of figure out a specific role that you want to do and i was thinking about it and i was playing a ton of PUBG when it came out um it's an absolute ton and i was also sort of doing odd jobs for Afrika TV on the side, uh, just kind of things here and there. And um, so they kind of knew me and knew who I was. And I was down at the studio sometimes either just to watch or just hang out with Nick and Dan and stuff. And uh, they they knew I was playing a ton of PUBG and they're like, hey, we're going to start a PUBG league. You know, would you be interested? It kind of threw the grapevine, hmm. you know, and I was like, huh. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll give it a go. So I put together like a demo reel for them. I do have a lot of experience in public speaking uh, in high school. I did competitive public speaking. So uh, for me, speaking was no problem. That's always something that's come pretty naturally to me. And so I went, uh, they liked the audition tape. They put me uh, with Rapid and he and I went at it uh, about two years ago now, just over two years mm-hmm. ago. Wow, that is uh, a lot of things as I dissect. So, I mean, I know um, a bit about Korea and Korean culture and, and the Korean esports as well. So um, from my understanding, right, is that that happens like a decent amount. You know, it was happening back in StarCraft back in the day, but Tasteless Nartosis kind of like really latched on. But the, the idea that a, a guy who spoke English, usually a guy um, that spoke English, could actually go to Korea and kind of just like if he if he met enough people, he could actually just you know they'd be like, "You speak English, okay, great. Like, do you do you look good on the camera? Okay, great. Like, come over here and try and cast this thing." When it was you know Clash Royale or World of Tanks, that <laughs> was a thing at one point. That 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 would happen, and it kind of sounds like that that happened a little bit here. But you actually mentioned that you had to make a demo reel, so I don't know. It sounds like the bar has been um, heightened sure. <laughs> since. I guess the day when it was really just like, hey, please come cast the stuff because we don't have enough English people out here. <laughs> yeah, well, these days, you know, there's 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 a fair amount of us who've kind of made a 
you know, made this our mm-hmm. lives here, uh, whether it be, you know, uh, Tasteless and Artosis doing StarCraft. You guys got guys like Atlas and uh, Valdez mm. doing League of Legends. You know, whatever is going on, you know, there's 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 dedicated casters. So the the bar has been set pretty high. And I mean, especially with, of course, Tasteless and Artosis, I mean, the iconic duo, uh, they set the bar really, really high. And then, I mean, Atlas, I, I you know, and Valdez, uh, Last Shadow, those guys doing uh, the LCK are incredible. So, like, we have some of the best, I think, uh, esports broadcaster talent in the world here. So now, yeah, the, the, the bar is going up and, you know, we all push each other as well. Like we're constantly talking to each other about all these things, trying to get better and encouraging each other. And mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, I have to say like uh, Nick's been invaluable. I mean, he has taught me so, so much and he's so good at his feedback. Like he doesn't say, he doesn't say things to you in a way that makes you feel stupid or like you're doing something really wrong or really bad. He's just good at like, explaining you know what you're doing that's could be improved upon yeah that's it that's very interesting we don't have a lot of mentors i think mentors um as uh i don't know like in esports in general i know there's more initiatives you know you'll see people retweeting about um become australia's next big casters happening like now and um i know red eye retweets things i think of his agency maybe I, i don't remember but like you can kind of compete to get a master mm. session, I-, I think, with him is what they call it or something like that. Like, it's getting more popular. And Red Eye obviously also made a book and is doing an audiobook um, about esports broadcasting, which is really cool. But it's it's still not really something that you're going to be able to go online, search how to cast <laughs> esports, and then really find credible sources. I'm sure if you mm. Googled it, you'd actually find a couple of really dumb, shitty things. But as far as credible, like, I think that's actually kind of rare. And of course, Tasteless would be the the most rare. I mean, if Tasteless was a coach on one of these online platforms, I don't, his, his rate would be outrageous. <laughs> um, so <laughs> can you, like, is there anything that, um, I like, I, I'm going to be jet, like, really selfish here and just say, like, can you tell me what Tasteless, mm. what type of things Tasteless is like? Do you guys go over VODs? Is it just more of like a, hey, I was watching and you did this thing or what? Yeah, it's usually it's a hey, I was watching. Hmm. We we turn it, we tune into each other's stuff all the time, and uh, you know I'll give I'll give him a little bit of feedback here and there too. Um, but he's you know he's very you know he and I are very very close. So and not only in physical proximity but also just in terms of being friends. Uh, and so he's very honest with me. I I would say the best thing he ever told me was don't get caught up in all the the drama bullshit and all this other stuff in the background. He's like, focus on your craft. Be the best caster you can. That will push you further than anything else. Just focus on being better. Focus on what the companies want. That's a big thing that a lot of people mm. don't think about. They Because they, they think about themselves. They're like, well, how can I be a better caster? Well, that's part of it. But you also got to think about what the company you're working for wants in their broadcast. Are they looking for really analytical type casting right somebody who's really good at breaking down what's happening because that's what their viewer base wants do they want hype broadcasting because they want clips uh to use in the future where they can have this big moment where it's like oh and you're yelling in the you know in the microphone and that kind of thing so there's there's a couple different aspects you got to kind of put together but focus on your craft first and foremost uh was probably the best thing he ever told me I mean, it's a good general suggestion for sure. But that's you know, the thing about the, working with the companies is also a good point that I think Fear Dragon has, has brought up another StarCraft two caster. Um, actually, you would have met him because we all hang out. But... Yeah, I, I've met him a couple times. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, He's a good dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, he talks about, like, you know, oftentimes the feedback that we get from the general public is is missing a few things. But one of those things is, like, hey, there's some there's sometimes just things that, like, the company wants or the producer wants um, that you're not, not going to see, right? So that's a, that's a very good point. But Korea has a very different structure um just like literally korea right not even just esports but korea's business structure is is quite a bit different and you are working with korean companies right yeah 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 so mostly i work with PUBG these days which is a korean based company um mm-hmm. so it works out pretty nicely uh that you know i i lived here and they're they're based out of here um there are some oddities to it there are some kind of general things that they want that maybe other businesses or casters don't want you to do or something like that. Like, I mean, especially here in Korea, they love hype. Like you've listened to these Korean Mm. casters, right? They lose their marbles uh, (laughs) during all these games and that's what they want from you. And so I've kind of adapted to that style. I mean, uh, I I realized, um, so I went to the first big global PUBG event I did was almost exactly one year ago now uh, in London. It was called the Face It Global Summit. And they there I got there and I was a little nervous. It was the first time I was like actually nervous to be doing an event because it was so big mm-hmm. and it was so life changing for me. And um, so the first day they paired me up with this guy we'd never worked together. Uh, his name's Matram, just an excellent guy, excellent broadcaster. Love working with him. He and I have been paired up ever since uh, for International PUBG. And I got there and I was so, so nervous. And the second or third day, I'm trying, somebody's going to like, I think it was the third day. Um, this Chinese player did something absolutely crazy that just was the craziest thing we'd ever seen in competitive PUBG. He blew up an entire squad with one grenade, basically. Oh, cool. <laughs> and like snaked it out to the end and ended up winning the game. Like he did something that was just so unreal. Nobody had ever seen anything like it. And Matt and I just were lucky enough to be the ones casting that moment. And now it's like the most viewed PUBG esports clip ever. Um, but I just lost my mind. I, I, got, I got so engrossed in the moment. I completely just, I don't remember doing it. I don't remember doing it. It, it just like <laughs> something just took over. And, and we got done and Matt and I are like shaking as we're taking our, 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 our you know, headsets off. We're just looking at each other like, did that just happen? Like, no way. And, and what I realized from that clip was I was hype as shit. And, they love that. And the company loved it. And from then on, like I focused a lot on, I moved towards kind of being more of a hype guy than anything. Like, to be honest, like that's a really tough skill to get. And there's a lot involved in being good at that, that people probably don't think is, they probably think it's easier than it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about that. The, um, so did you come into PUBG or esports in general, thinking that you should be more of an analyst? Just because like yes. you're gonna have to prove your knowledge. Okay, that's what yeah, I figured. Because that's what a, a lot of things are. But I was unsure if like shooters might be different. But yeah, it sounds the same. So well, especially for PUBG, it's it's a really complicated mm. esport. Actually, that's why I kind of love it. It isn't just like not to this isn't to shit on CS:GO or anything like that. CS:GO is a great game. I love the game. I love to watch it. But it's pretty simple, right? The maps are pretty well known. The guns are pretty well identified what they do but PUBG is a whole different beast because there's 16 teams playing at once so anyway mm. yeah a bit more of like the wild west <laughs> like mm. things can get crazy and different in a way that CSGO CSGO is very streamlined for sure there's been so yeah. many CSGO games but um 
Yeah. So the play by play thing, like that's, I, I think that's what everyone comes in. I think there's also, I think there's an understandable fear of a lot of beginner casters, be, not because of like necessarily they acknowledge that it's hard, but just the um, uh, equipment limitations that are available. Like until you learn how to use a compressor, until you have like a tech team behind your mic to go into the really like hype moments when you're on like a, you know, a Yeti mic <laughs> is not going to sound very good. <laughs> so right. I, I actually like that was my fear as well as for me personally, I didn't want to have the really high pitched sound that like a, you know, a woman could get mm. to a little bit easier than a guy. So I was very nervous mm. about doing play by play, just like from the get go and don't, not even mentioning the amount of actual crap that goes into play by play. But that's something that I've worked on. And it sounds like something like you, you realize is also really difficult. What would you say is like, could you explain why you think that play-by-play -play is so difficult? Because I have my own way of explaining it, but I want to hear your thoughts. Mm. For me, what's hard about it, and I still tend to fall more into the analyst role more often than not, but I've been doing more and more play-by-play -play as time goes on. Uh, using different words, different verbiage, uh, just having an, a thesaurus in your head, right? To kind of like not repeat yourself a lot and sound like the same thing keeping your sentences flowing naturally while not messing them up is really challenging sometimes. Like I still stumble over myself where I'm just like, Oh, this sentence, how am I going to recover from it? I started it halfway through and then I have a completely different <laughs> idea. And I, oh, and I got to like make these words match up somehow. Oh fuck. I don't know. Um, but so for me, it's like, I have to think a lot more like while I'm doing it, it's weird because analysis, you just kind of know it if you're good. You know, like you, if you've done it enough and you just kind of know the game, you just kind of know it. Like you can just say it and people are like, yep. And you kind of know what to do. Um, but yeah, play by play, I find it be much more challenging. And the guys who are really good at it, I respect the hell out of. Yeah, I think that really hits on what I was going to say is that like, as you said, like you don't want to stumble over your words. Um, saying the same thing over and over is also definitely uh, something you need to work on. But for analysts, like you literally depending on the game i suppose there's different um you know uh, pacing but most of the time analysts are going to have more time to think basically you know like the the play-by-play -play guy is going to have all the moments that need to be talked about at that moment you know either you're on or you're not where the analyst can kind of wait out those moments um if if they take the silence that can be you know very important in a broadcast but they take that silence it's like not as big of a deal as if the hype guy would imagine if the hype guy takes a second to think when a widow mine goes off or something in starcraft right and it's just like oh there was a delay there like it doesn't make any sense you can't <laughs> yeah <laughs> just it would feel so awkward and feel like he's like he, casting like oh, on a delay you know <laughs> like, yeah yeah exactly so the analyst guy can like very calmly just be like yeah actually here's here's what happened you know where the because that was the first thing i was like oh my god like how do i do this i would just first i'm calling play by play like really trying to just be play by play, I would just call everything wrong. I, I, despite being, you know, a usually like fairly smart <laughs> broadcaster, you know, about StarCraft, I would just, I would cast a fight and I'd be like, oh, well, well, duh. Like, of course that, that went that way. Now that I have hindsight, <laughs> like I realized that that was what was going to happen. And I found that so, that was the biggest thing I found difficult. And that's what like the, the, the really the thing I respect is when, Play-by-play -play broadcasters don't just get a fight right because that's not really what 
they're usually doing is that they're they're just i mean you said it like so in the moments that they don't even bother trying to sound smart which might sound like an insult but you know what i mean like they just they're just with the moment and they're just like i actually don't know what's gonna happen oh my god like oh and that is so much better than trying to be <laughs> hype and guess what's going on um because that's just that's usually going to result in a, in a failure but yeah, I found it so fascinating. Um, and I did I did swip I did swap from being like, yeah, I like play by play casters and obviously it's a really important part of the broadcast to being like, oh my God, actually their job is harder. Hold on here. It's way harder. It, it sounds easier to like the untrained ear, but actually it is it is really, really difficult. The best play by play guys are just incredible. I mean, I found it interesting with PUBG, um, you kind of have to be able to do play-by-play, -play, even if you're an analyst caster, because of just, there's so much going on all the time and you kind of have to be aware of it. You kind of have to be setting everything up. Like almost, I treat analyst casting in, in PUBG more as like storytelling, right? Where I'm I'm here to set the stage, to give, to to explain what's maybe about to happen, why it's happening that way give the audience uh, the wherewithal to know everything that they're about to see and then hand it over to the play-by-play -play guy uh, to deliver the moments once they come. Uh, and sometimes you get stuck. You're in the middle of saying something and something wild happens or they cut to, sorry, my camera kind of, I got a little too close. Uh, they, they cut to something else in PUBG where you got to be like just ready to switch on a dime because uh, it isn't just a two-player, you're a two-team or two-player thing. It's 16 teams at once. Um, so you kind of got to be ready mm -hmm. for that. So it is a bit of a challenge. I mean, doing, I mean, I, I'm lucky in a way that I really got in at the ground floor of the first Battle Royale eSport. So I'm able to kind of feel the casting out because it is a little different than than other things for sure. That sounds extremely difficult just because I, I've seen some PUBG and you're, yeah, like you have to go from building the story of this one team perhaps playing it very slow and conservative and you like built the, the observer like i don't even i don't know how much like in tune you've become with your observers like uh we've had s the same observers in starcraft for a while so there's a little bit of like in tuneness even though we're not talking to each other but for PUBG, it sounds even more difficult because they could really just be like they can't they can't not go to the thing that's about to kill a team right but you could be talking about a team setting up a story and then bam this team's getting shot at and they're about to be eliminated from well this round, I suppose. But that sounds extremely difficult. Do you just do you just turn on a dime? Do you go from like yes, yes, quite storytelling, storytelling? Oh my god, look what's happening! Or is there a smoother transition possible? Yeah. No, there's sometimes there's just not. I, ideally, you would like a smoother transition. Really good observers, like okay. So I usually work with Korean observers, um, one way or another. For most of the big international events we have been using korean observers uh for pubg and a lot of the other casters are used to european or na observers and this isn't everybody's really good at it actually everybody's gotten really good so for me it's not that hard i'm so used to the the korean style of observing they i understand what they're trying to do and why they're trying to show what they're trying to show a lot of the times but for some of the other casters it is really jarring for them to just switch on a dime and not expect that switch necessarily and this isn't to say they're not paying attention or anything like this. It's just different observing styles that they're not used to. And so you have to be ready to do that. And you'll hear casters kind of like sometimes in competitive PUBG be like, I don't know why we switched there, but 
we're going over here. <laughs> like, and you're kind of like, well, you know, I try not to do that, uh, you know, usually, but um, it's, it's really hard. You're right. You do just have to be able to turn on a dime. Now, as you build a kind of a, a comfortableness with whatever observers you're working with, it becomes easier to avoid having to do that. But regardless, because of the nature of PUBG, it's going to happen sometimes anyway. So you do have to be ready for it. And you got to just be ready to like turn the hype thrusters on, you, you know, like yeah. right away. That uh, sounds difficult to do. Like even with StarCraft, even if something else is happening, you usually can have one eye on the minimap because um, it's not usually five things. It's it's battle and then and then like a, a drop. But PUBG sounds like a one of the more complicated esports. Now, I'm going to compare it to Overwatch for a second because <laughs> I do think that these are both games that the storytelling crafted in these games sound much more difficult than my own game, but that's also a lot of bias, right? But Overwatch is like a big, I'm going to say clusterfuck <laughs> of, of a battle happening very abruptly and then ending, and then very abruptly and then ending. And I have my own opinions of it as an esport, but PUBG, not nearly as bad, <laughs> but PUBG kind of has the same thing where it's like, how, how do you craft a story when, it, when a, a game has so many different elements to it like are you because i also don't even know how you guys do your um your, your tournament format like i have an idea but not not mm. a good idea so i guess start with that how do you guys even craft a tournament what, what is your usual format so typically um for like a big event we'll have like a group stage so we'll invite 24 or 32 teams or whatever it is and we'll have like a group stage where usually it's like a round robin kind of thing where each group plays each other once and then the top, uh, let's say, eight teams go straight to the finals, the grand finals, where the other 16 teams have to play their own like semifinal. And then the top eight from that semifinal go to the finals to get your 16 team lobby for the finals. And then you get points. So you get points based on placement. So if you're first place, you get 10 points. If you're second place, you get six points, et cetera. Down to like eighth place is usually the last team that gets a point in current uh, what we call super settings. And then you get a kill, you get a point for every kill. So mm. that's how you make points. So some teams focus on being very aggressive and picking up kills to get the bulk of their points, whereas others play, like you mentioned earlier, cautious. They're going to try to weasel out, not weasel, but try to sneak out, you know, placement points as they are trying to avoid fighting as much as they can. Not to say they aren't good at fighting, they totally can, but their, their philosophy is just different. Yeah, interesting. So with that format, how do you build a storyline? Like, do you guys have um, stats people who are constantly updating you as to like who are point leaders, or is it something that you don't you don't want to focus too much on the minute details or, or what? Yeah, we have stats people that keep us up to date on a lot of stuff. Um, we keep track of stats like uh, total damage done because that kind of matters in PUBG because of the nature because you have to wear vests and helmets and those kind of things. So understanding how much damage you're doing to people kills of course and there's some other stats we keep track of like grenades used or revives done various other things to help kind of build a narrative for the players that way um the storylines in game usually you're going to be kind of focusing on the teams that are doing really well um but what we'll do so the setup we typically have so people know uh, as a PUBG caster is i have my own uh, monitor a pgm we call it right the program monitor where i see the main screen of what the observers are watching and my co-caster also has one of their own. And then mm -hmm. in the middle between us is the map screen. 
so we can always have the map there so we can watch it. So as an analyst, I'm often kind of shifting around between the both of them a lot. And the play-by-play guy is much more focused on his own monitor. Um, but I'm watching the map a lot to try to set up stories. Be like, even if, because sometimes there's just nothing going on in competitive PUBG and you have to like build like this team's going here. How are they going to move to their next spot? How are they going to get there? The circle moved away from them. Are they going to take vehicles? What other teams might they run into? So you got to try to like set the narrative of possibilities uh, for them and then try to build the story that way. And of course, you're going to be more focused on the teams that are doing well uh, than not typically. And so you just got to kind of be aware of all those things and and really trying to build that, you know, that tower together. Yeah, that's really difficult Uh, with experience and time. Have you gotten better at just not mentioning things that are you know, not important? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I, 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 when I first started, I went back and I just watched my first broadcast uh, since I like I watched it after I first did it, of course, to do VOD review. Um, but I haven't watched it since then. So it's been about two years. And I was giving out so much what actually is useless information, like about stats, about guns and some other weird PUBG oddities that people don't really need to know. But I was like trying to flex that I like really knew the game, you know, mm-hmm. and and so so there's like, yeah, it's it's knowing when to use that information. Like, yes, I have that information, but I don't just need to rambly ra- randomly ramble about it. That's just pointless. You know, you got to find the right moments to assert that knowledge. Be like, oh, this player probably heard these footsteps because they were on, for example, this type of surface. And they, you know, that surface, the sound travels further in PUBG than it does. Than, and that's why they were able to hear this or something like that. Wow, so much more involved. Um, yeah, um, I mean that would be expected. I think that it it is something that's common amongst uh, all these sports, but it just sounds like there's so many more things happening um, in PUBG. Do you think that your initial focus on an analyst, like as as important as it is for growing out of that, do you think that it's important though that you started off being quite analytical like how was the public response to you did it contribute to your rise in any way that people were like yeah he absolutely knows the game yes that definitely helped um i was also kind of one of the few guys uh, that kind of held out here in korea for doing competitive PUBG. there were some others doing it but i i I kind of like really threw myself into it uh because i really love this game i really believe in it and so I gave it everything I had. And so I ended up knowing a lot more, especially about the Korea teams, for example, than just about anybody else in the world. And so I was able to come out there and explain what the Koreans were doing, why they were doing it that way, uh, why they were doing stuff that no one else in the world was doing and why it was working because they were winning everything, just like Koreans tend to do in esports. And so I was explaining why. And so, yeah, I definitely gained a lot of kind of notoriety for being the guy who knew Korea and now, you know, I know a lot about Asia. Now I've done a lot of China uh, and Japan as well. And like Southeast Asia, Taiwan, Indonesia, Vietnam, the game is extremely popular in those places too. So it's kind of being able to bring the team knowledge was probably the bigger thing. And then, yeah, just my technical knowledge. There's a lot of people who have that, but that you have to have that basis, right? That baseline. But what really set me apart was knowing the teams extremely well. Mm. So would you consider being in Korea actually a, a big benefit to your career um, in PUBG? Or do you have to kind of balance it with the whole, like, it's more difficult to fly you out to events? I Overall, it's a benefit, um, especially because the company's headquarters are located here. So recently, 
Uh, mm. I've been doing a news show with PUBG for the esports where oh. we just like once every two or three weeks, we put together a little show about what's going on in PUBG esports. And uh, me and my co-host, Annie, uh, we sit down and we talk about these things and we, we like interview teams or whatever. And um, so that's really cool. Like that gives me exposure. Like, you know, they put these videos on the PUBG client. Like they have a little scrolling like ad thing. And I see my face up there. It's really weird. Like, I'm like, oh, it's me. Like, oh, God. And now, like, when I'm casting PUBG tournaments, during the commercial breaks, they take clips from our news show and put it on during the breaks. And I'm like, God, get it away. Like, I've, I've, I already hear myself <laughs> talk enough. Like, good, stop. But um, so it's it's really been a bit of benefit for me in that way because the company is located here. And I have a really good relationship with them on top of it. Like, uh, the staff that works there, uh, we get along really well. Um, I'm able to kind of vocalize my ideas and my opinions. and uh, they they give me the same kind of thing there's good there's good communication uh between us and so that's nice so yeah definitely it helps and also it helps i think because korea in general like it, once they get serious about any esport they're going to be good at it they're going to compete in it and so it's cool to be here because they the koreans are always uh invested in their esports and will always try to be the best and a lot of times they are the best uh, are they the best in uh in pubg yes Oh, yes, they okay. are. It's close. China is very close. So it's a couple of Europe teams. Uh, they're very close. But right now, they're the Korean teams are just a little bit ahead. Wow, interesting. I mean, I always knew. I always had the same thought. Like basically, if Korea really enjoys an esport, they're going to be the best at it. It even happened in Dota, and like not many Koreans play Dota. But there was that one um, Ti where was it MVP? Who was it? Was it MVP? Ah. I don't know. I don't know, but like there was a, there was one Korean Dota team that was actually doing like really really well, and they were like, "What the hell?" <laughs> but that's what happens when they really put their mind on things, I guess. So interesting to hear that it's same case for PUBG. I haven't watched enough tournaments to really figure out, I guess, that balance. So that would definitely make it good. I mean, I think that's some reason why Tastosis had such a marketability is that they did come from a region that no one else is really doing, and obviously their their innate skill, but uh, certainly helped. So. I mean, does it, it does, I don't know how many, how many international gigs have you done? International being outside of Korea. Uh, let's see for PUBG. Well, we had one big international gig here in Seoul. So I'm going to count that one, uh, even though okay. I know that's not technically, but it was an international gig. Uh, so I've done four. Mm. Yeah. Four for PUBG. And then I've done a couple other games uh i did like for wcg i did clash royale uh last year in china um and some crossfire and uh i've done point blank which is another first person shooter style more like crossfire uh that okay. i did i did that in russia um i was supposed to go to the philippines uh this year but that got canceled yeah this, this things did but yeah so i think i've done six or seven international events now Okay. I was just going to ask, like, have you, do you consider your, uh, do they consider, I suppose, when they come to you with an offer like that, you, they have to travel you out of Korea? Cause it's, um, something you know, StarCraft 2 has talked about, but, uh, amongst, you know, the casters. But I think we would all say that it's not, it's not, su <laughs> I don't know if this is like revealing too much information. The idea is that it's not supposed to really impact the decision making where you come from, but it's got to right getting people from australia is literally twice or three times as much as getting the person from 
literally the state <laughs> that the, the event is in, right? Mm. So do you ever find that uh, yep. being a problem, do they actually communicate more openly about that problem with you? I have had, yeah, it's not often, actually. Um, typically, people just kind of, it's hard to explain. A lot of times I'm working for companies that are based out of, like production companies that are based out of Korea or China anyway. So they're already traveling a bunch of their staff to these events. So I'm just kind of lumped in as part of that group. <laughs> ah. So usually it's not a big deal. I did, I did have one event um, where there was a little bit of kind of haggling about my, my daily rate because it did cost a little extra to fly me out there. Um, it wasn't, and it ended up being perfectly fine. Like it wasn't a big deal at all. Um, but typically actually, the weird part is, is now Seoul, they've they've really worked to expand uh, the airport here and increase the number of flights, the number of direct flights to places. So that's actually brought the price down a little bit. Like I can usually get round trip flights to Chicago um, out of Incheon for less than a thousand dollars now. Um, if I, if I really look hard and don't go like during a weekend or something like that, like if I'm willing to be a little flexible in my schedule. So it's it's not super bad, but yeah, uh, coming out of Australia, man, like poor Maynard, dude. Like God, it's so <laughs> far, and it just and the flights are long, which is grueling as as a human mm. being. And then yeah, the the price is high, you know. So I feel it. It's Korea's not so bad, but there is occasionally that that thing that comes up. Yeah, I mean for Korea, it's like thirteen hours um, to America, most places. Yeah, so not comparable really to the 20 hours or plus depending how many layers they layovers they have so yeah it's definitely a part of it but i would still say that i mean you know it's still a much longer journey than a lot of these guys coming from europe to na or vice versa mm. or you know north america canada and us like so does the does it has the travel ever like uh affected you at all or have you already been used to traveling I like to travel, so that makes it easy for me. I, I love mm. to go new places. I find new experiences to be exhilarating. Um, what actually sucks is when I come back to Korea and I am just wrecked because I'm jet lagged. I'm tired. Usually I'm coming back, right? You know this, like the the day after the event is done, they send you out. Yeah. And, and there was an after party for the event that night and you're staying out late doing those kind of things. And then, uh, you know, you get like four hours of sleep. You got to get on a plane. You're hungover. You're like, oh, God. And you get on this plane and you're trying to sleep and you can't and you get home and you're just like, oh, this is horrible. For like three days, you're just a mess. And I would say that's the hardest part. And I did uh, I did have one time where it like interfered with my like ability to do a job here in Korea. I was supposed to do this event the day after I got back from flying and I I was so tired and so jet lagged when I set my alarm for the next day I put it onto p.m. instead of a.m. and so I woke up late for the cast and I was like an hour late for the I felt so bad but so since then I've kind of learned how to use my time a little more effectively when I'm traveling I need to give myself a little more space uh, especially after I come back yeah that was the the other question I was going to ask is that do you have to stream or do any other events outside of like the the huge gigs and <laughs> has it affected any of them? But uh, mm. 
got my answer. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm usually pretty smart about that too. But even, yeah, even I've done some some really dumb stuff. Actually, the time I was in Korea for three months, I actually just it was this one of those sequence of events where like things popped up. So I ended up spending nine weeks in Korea, but actually I spent six weeks in Korea because I went to three different events. <laughs> <laughs> and I flew back like immediately every time. And I was like, this is such a dumb idea. <laughs> Not smart. It's hard. You know, it's especially like for you, because you're you're bouncing around a lot. And, you know, if you want to stay in Korea, like the hub of Starcraft and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's really it's really awkward. And then you got to kind of deal with like finding a place to stay and you yeah, know, all this other yeah. junk. You know, it's it's it, there's there's weird there's oddities that go into it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Korea is definitely one of those just ideal places, you know, like if it, it could be more ideal rather, but like, it's so great that I wish it was I wish it was literally right next to the east coast of USA. <laughs> I wish that it was, um, you know, really easy to get a visa there and, and all that because I don't I don't want to do visa hopping, but wasn't in the cards and it is it is weird because the same, you know, the uh, Starcraft, uh, sorry, Korea is the mecca of Starcraft, but really it's there's nothing actually involved with blizzard over there there's blizzard korea obviously but like but for you and PUBG, it really literally is like you are doing a, a korean esport developed by koreans for korean audience a lot of the time with the best korean players as well so it seems to be a really big boon to actually be available there so it kind of it really worked out quite well for you did you have any idea that um how to put this like when PUBG came out were you like you know what this this all like it takes off every single box like this is the this is the esport I'm gonna do or was it really just that fortunate thing working for Afrika no I didn't think it when I first started playing PUBG it ticked off boxes in that this was a game like idea I had when I was a kid and it like was something I like dreamed about being able to play someday and it finally happened like this kind of idea and I just fell in love with the game. I didn't even think about esports for PUBG. Um, the first, like one of the first real PUBG esports events took place about a year before I got into it. A little more than a year. And I watched it and thought, well, maybe. I like I enjoyed it. It was cool to see what these players were doing, how they thought about the game and how it was completely different than I was thinking about the game at the time. So that was kind of fun. And then the events started to get kind of bigger and bigger, like DreamHacks started picking them up and ESL and all these big esports companies. And I started watching them more and more. And I'm like, I, I love this. This is so fascinating. Like you put the map screen on one of your monitors and your other monitor, you put the main game. And it's so cool to like watch what the teams are doing and how they're thinking about things. And oh my God, this is so fun. And I was really starting to get into it. And then just kind of fortune, you know, you, you, as things go in life, sometimes out of nowhere, you just get lightning strikes and you have to take advantage of it and uh i was extremely lucky to be where i was at the time i was and be the person i am because i just loved the game and so it made it easy once uh, once the call came yeah everything just worked out really well <laughs> everything fit into place so perfectly so that's really awesome so your first event you said that uh you, the first the, the really big one what was it called the face it global summit it was in london yeah, so I thought I thought it was Facebook, but yeah, I actually I watched some of that because I saw you doing your first event. I saw the the talent announcement. I was like, oh shit, look, damn man, he's actually like made it. Um, so I watched you know some of it, and uh, I, I 
I'm not particularly interested in PUBG, but I, I can be interested in any esport where I think like um, the commentary isn't really bad, at least because <laughs> I've watched some like mobile games where the commentary is like, let's say questionable. But yeah, but uh, it was it was a fun experience. But anyways, how did you get over those those nerves that you talked about when you mm. actually got this first big event? <sighs> they just kind of worked themselves out. Um, I generally don't get nervous in front of cameras mm -hmm. at all. I don't get nervous doing public speaking basically ever. Uh, for some reason, it just comes natural to me. Like the first time I casted in front of a camera at Afrika, I was more nervous about getting makeup done than I was about <laughs> being on camera. I'm not even kidding. Like the makeup thing, I was like, I was like sitting in the chair, the lady's like touching my face, I'm like, oh, okay, like this is weird. <laughs> but like once, once that all happens, I don't know, maybe there's something about having the makeup on that kind of gives you like a, a mask you feel like maybe, I don't know. But um, so anyway, so I get to this event at the Face of Global Summit. I'm nervous as shit because this is my first big one. This is like where I have to put my, you know, if I really want to keep doing these things, I got to put my stamp on this. I got to really do something. And the first day I was pretty nervous and I went back and listened to it again recently because it was about a year ago now. And yeah, I could tell I was nervous. Um, I was kind of fumbling over my words a bit more than I usually do and these kind of things. After the first day and just kind of talking with, you know, Matram, my co-caster, and it was the first time we had worked together and we just kind of talked things over. That really made me more comfortable. Like he was very encouraging. He's like, dude, you're really good. He's like, I really like working with you. Like, let's let's keep building this and let's do this. And, you know, the second day went much better. The third day, by the time the third day happened where we had that huge moment with that 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 player who killed an entire squad with one grenade, basically, uh, after that, I was like, no, I was meant to do this. I don't know a, a better way to put it. It was just, it just felt right. And so from then on, it's been, I don't get nervous at all. It just, it's, it's just fun. It's really fun. Wow. That is a beautiful sentiment. Um, yeah, I agree about the, the makeup thing, by the way. I was most nervous about makeup too. Um, especially because weird. there's, yeah, it's just in general, you know, I'm not, I'm not a person who used to wear makeup. And then I thought I would have extra difficulties because I have you know, bad skin. And then, and on top of that, I've, I've been to events where they're just sort of like, oh, we didn't know a girl was here. <laughs> they didn't have enough makeup. And I was like, oh, wow. All right. Um, so, yeah, it, that can be nerve wracking. But you're right about the, the, the mask thing. And with or without makeup, I'm always like, I will always say like I'm putting on a mask. It's, it's more like just being 110% of you. Mm. You know, I think that. That makes sense to people who know what I'm talking about. To everyone else, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I know exactly but yeah, what you mean. Yeah, exactly. But you could also say it's kind of putting on a mask because I'm not usually, I'm not at all like what I am up on that stage, especially if I'm not talking about StarCraft, <laughs> which seems to be a common element as well. I always thought you were as a very like sociable guy, like you're very easy to get along with. But are you anything like you are on that stage? Is that just 110% of you or is it a bit of a mask? No, I think 110% is a good way to put it. I, I I would say that's pretty, pretty damn accurate. Um, I don't think I'm as much like myself as I am, I guess. Like I've actually, this is actually really funny that we're talking about this because I just talked to Nick about this the other day. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. He and I were just like kind of talking. He's like, no, actually, I think you're very similar on camera as to who you are in person. And I'm like, really? And I kind of, you know, I kind of was like, I guess, like, I actually, yeah, I'm pretty sociable. I'm pretty just kind of, I like to go out and be with people and talking with my friends, especially, uh, you know, that's what I, one of my favorite things to do here in Korea 
is go to a convenience store, sit at a table, grab a couple beers and just talk for hours with my close friends. Like, you know, you I've done it with you here. Uh, it's just so fun. It, it's just like, that's what I live for is these conversations. Yeah. God, I miss that so much about Korea. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And soju prices, man. Like, I don't, mm. I don't have to tell you, I think that like in America, it's like $15 for a bottle and it's like, this makes no sense. <laughs> There's no way it costs that much to ship it there. <laughs> right? It's a buck 50 here. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I went to Toronto once and it was $20 and I was like, oh. what the shit? What no the, okay i have an uncle who really <laughs> likes soju actually so whenever i come back to america he wants me to bring him bottles of it because it's so much cheaper <laughs> in Korea. right god yeah bring over a case for the amount yeah any anyways um but i think that actually because i also had a really fortunate experience when i was over there for an extended period of time where i finally got to actually go out late at night because i was still working on a, on a schedule back then and i don't were you there I don't I don't remember if you were there or not. Um, we went to the typical pub bar place, whatever you want to call it, that all of the esports casters went to. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't name names, but yes, I know what you mean. Right, right, because it's a super secret. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we went there and it was just the it was a very surreal experience, not because I was meeting a bunch of famous people or anything like that. Um, although there was a little bit of that. I was like, oh my God. But it was just like all of you guys just get together and, and talk. And there's such a common theme in Korea across esports, um, you know, across the analysts play, but like it doesn't matter. You guys just always have a reason to get together. Um, sometimes it's a big party, sometimes it's a small one. But do you ever think back on that and be like, man, that actually really helped me become a caster? I mean, the connections you made, the the way you could open up to a bunch of people and, and just talk is literally what you do for commentary do you actually see that almost like a uh i don't experience building undoubtedly oh yeah most definitely um i mean i'm lucky that all these guys are really cool really nice like we have like all of us casters here that live in korea are close uh we like you said we hang out we we go for drinks or meals or whatever we just want to be with each other and talk because we all really like each other's company um the games, of course, helps because it gives us a common starting ground. Like, I've always loved esports, so it's easy for me to talk about those things with them, and they can give me a lot of insight that I maybe wouldn't have had otherwise. So, yeah, definitely it helps. And it also helps they're just good dudes, and they're easy to hang out with, and they're cool, and they're fun, and um, they've always been really kind to me. And uh, like I said, like ever since I made a go at doing this thing, they've all been really supportive of me, um, and it is, it's re- I'm really, truly lucky. Yeah, they do a really excellent job of not making you feel like, like it's not like going into the old boys club or anything like that. And they're like, oh, it's some, you know, intern that the guy brought or or something like that. Like, you just you just are part of the group if you're, you know, not. I guess <laughs> I w- I was gonna say not Korean, but that's not even true either. There's plenty of the the Korean guys who speak English that hang out as well. Um, yeah, they just it's just it's just a nice community. Um, as far as I was able to see. I think like we're we're all really focused on just being good people. Like we're just you know we love our job. There is some competition between us from time to time with things, um, but nobody ever really gets really salty about it or does anything weird. We all just try to be the best we can be in our professional lives, and then you know in our personal lives we just all want to get along and have a good time, no matter who's there. You know like 
everybody from anywhere is welcome anytime people come for like i had uh one of my friends come from out of the country uh for one of the PUBG finals for the very last one the very last pkl we did in uh 2018 and he came here and my buddies you know nick and all these other guys atlas they treated him like he was you know one of their best friends you know they they went out of their way to yeah. show him a good time and like they want to they want to show you that Korea is awesome and that we, that there's fun stuff to do here so it's it's really it's really like a great kind of amalgamation of like dudes who do something really interesting and are also really cool people yeah i got to imagine having all the hardships they did going into korea you know just being a foreigner in a foreign country and all that like help them because that's my experience as well like i was in starcraft i was pretty well known um five years ago at this point holy shit five <laughs> years ago um yeah like four or five years ago but like there was really no reason for tasteless to, to help me as much as he did when i first went to korea for um an extended period of time but he actually really helped me a lot so always always defend you guys um <laughs> but <laughs> We it's, defend uh, you. Sounds... Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Sounds like just a really awesome environment to be in. And that's one of the reasons I'm I'm so jealous of anyone who actually gets to, to live in Korea. But it's it's not all perfect sparkles and flowers, I guess. No. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, you brought up competition with the uh with the other or the, the lack of competition, really. Like there is competition, but there's not any hard feelings or anything like that. Um is are there a lot of amateur casters that you've noticed that are still trying to do the whole like move to Korea and make it big thing? Or is that kind of leveled off? I don't see it with amateurs. I see it more with professionals. Um, I've had people reach out to me that, that, that this is stuff I would have never expected where they reach out to me and they're like, yeah, I'm thinking about moving to Korea. Like what's the caster job situation like? And I'm like, whoa, okay. And I'm like, I, I, it's like weird because I want everyone that wants to move here to be able to do it. You know right. what I mean? Uh, so it, it's quite fascinating. Um, but it, it's there. The amateur scene, I would say, has probably died. Um, there isn't too much of that going on anymore. Uh, who knows with something like Valorant coming out? Um, maybe that'll change. Uh, you never know. Everything kind of goes in ebbs and flows. But right now, it's mostly pretty settled with who's here and doing what uh i haven't seen too many um new things come up here in korea recently okay so it's it's it actually pretty well said like uh you brought up the guys who i mean they replaced monta and doa like years ago at this point mm. um well papa papa smith replaced one of them and then he yep. and now he's a uh, manager retired? no he's a yeah, he's a yeah. general manager for 100 thieves yeah, I know, but I was like, he's retired from casting, the right way to put it. I don't I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, he moved I, on to I, a I would be surprised if he comes back at some point. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like it's like when pros say they quit. Like if they say they're quitting, they're not really. Yeah. If they just disappear, then it's then it's for real. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So that that actually, I mean, do you think you have a fair amount of job security then? <laughs> I like to think so, but sometimes I don't know. With so here's the weird thing. Coming into this year, I felt great. Um I was mm -hmm. very fortunate to be doing the big PUBG events uh for the PUBG Global Championship, which is our big end of the year event we had last year. Again, I was very lucky to be chosen. Me and Matram were chosen as the duo for the grand finals, so for the very final games of the last day. Uh so we got to do the trophy moment and all this stuff which is 
you know, I'm extremely lucky to be put in that position. Uh, and so that was really cool. I was really excited about this year, even with some of the changes to PUBG esports, they're scaling it back like officially just because last year didn't quite go as well as they would have liked. Um, but I felt pretty good. I was already getting calls to be doing stuff, like I said, in the Philippines and other places. And um, then the coronavirus happened. And and all of a sudden, I was just like, I can't spend any money. Uh, if I, 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 I don't know. I don't know where my job's going. I have no idea. Like, I have to just sit around. Like, I was looking for a new apartment uh, at the time. And um, I took a trip to Japan uh, for vacation because I was just like, yeah, this is the only time I'm going to have time for vacation this year. I'm going to be so busy. I won't even know what to do with myself. Um, and then I went to an event in Sweden, came back and it was just the world just locked down after that. So I felt good about it until recently, but things seem like they're going to stabilize here pretty soon. Um, at least in Korea, we're kind of over the hump. Uh, it may be, you know, hopefully fingers crossed that, uh, this is about over here. Um, and things are starting to pop up again. Yeah, I guess I, I kind of threw a really like a fastball at you like that. Oh, it's okay. I I meant more as in like, is there anyone else clamoring after your job? But oh hell yeah, hell yeah, there always is. Oh, there okay. always will be. Um, that's just part of the job. So that's why I, I I go back to what Nick told me: just be good, just get better constantly. Mm-hmm. You're never good enough. You're like that's always always what I tell myself: I'm never good enough. I'll go back and watch stuff <laughs> that I thought was great, and I'm and then I'll watch it again and I'll be like, oh that was not good. I hated that. And um, people will tell me, they're like, wow, that was a really good cast. And I'm like, nope, I hated it. I hated the whole thing. Like, don't, nope. And, uh, but you, ca- you always got to be kind of focused on being better because there's going to be people that want this job. This is a wonderful job in a way. Um, you know, you get to talk about video games with, you know, you and I, we talk about this all the time. This is what we love. You know, we love these games. So p- there's other people who are the same way who kind of have, ideas about doing this you got to be you just got to keep getting better yeah i mean the way you put it like i i i agree with you but just like i'm never good enough just sounds like a really sad thing (laughs) (laughs) but i know what you mean yeah um do you ever have moments when you do these jobs um especially offline jobs that are you you can't just unwind and go back to your house and, and be like oh that sucked um where you do just sit there and you're like damn like i am off today oh yeah yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember at some of the big events when I was traveling, uh, where I just got back to some of the, my hotel room and I was just like, "All right, what do I need to do tomorrow? Like, let's get some sleep, let's eat some good food, let's make sure I'm not over caffeinated or under caffeinated. Like, there's kind of like a baseline you learn to hit. Uh, let's make sure I drink plenty of water so my voice doesn't, so I don't have to worry about my voice. Uh, maybe getting a little hoarse or something like that. Uh." Let's do my vocal exercises so I feel comfortable, you know, projecting from my diaphragm and all these other things. Um, that's really important. A lot of things, you're basically a singer as a caster. A lot of people don't kind of understand this. If you're doing it properly, you're you're basically singing. And um, so anyway, so it, it's just kind of like you try to, when I have those, because I definitely do, and I'm sure you have too, I just try to refocus and just try to do good things to make me and my body feel better. Yeah, absolutely. We had a lot of that at Katowice, and then there's, you know, all our respective just cringe moments that we just, we really hope that the audience doesn't remember, but it's something you remember, you know? No one remembers that you waved at the wrong guy, but you do. Yes. Yeah. 
Or you uh, called the they, unit they're... the wrong name or. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just I, there's been a couple um, moments where I'm just like, oh, my God, you were such a you were so stupid. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have had those two. Don't worry. I've had the exact same things, Jessica. Uh, yeah. It happens. But so you actually it sounds like you approached that actually very. um. Uh, in a practice method, like sometimes I ask these questions, people are like, oh, you know, I just chill and just have a good night and like, you know, hang out with my buddies. And it's like, it's very not, I don't want to say not professional, but you know what I mean? Like you, you're talking about breathing exercises and making sure that your, your voice is good to go and technical stuff, really mm. more of what like a voice actor, or as you said, a singer mm. would make sure to do. So have you looked into all this stuff? Has this been something that you've always known or have you studied more since you became a caster? No, I've studied more since I became a caster. It's stuff that I kind of already knew. Um, so actually, one of my best friends, uh, Nick and mine best friends out here in Korea, is a voice actor. And so, sorry, my camera's shaking a little bit here. I'm trying to pour some more coffee into my cup. So he uh, he taught me a lot about getting better with my voice, just using my voice as a tool much better. And I, the reason that if I, let's say I have a bad cast, uh, the reason I focus on my body and my voice is that I don't want to have to think about those things the next day or the next cast. Like if, if those aren't even a concern, if those aren't even on my mind, that's just another thing that my brain isn't thinking about to open up space to make the casting better. So I'm trying to eliminate any and all distractions I can to just get back to doing a good job. That is such an interesting way to look at it. I, I never thought about that before, but you're right. It's just one less thing to worry about. Um, like, there's a time where in, in Katowice, again, like end of the day. So I was, this is what caused me to be like, oh, I'm not doing well today and all bummed out at the you know drinks that, later that night. But I was casting with Pig and I remember I was trying to do a bit of, of hype and then I lost control of my voice, basically, which, mm. as I mentioned, I've like I've really tried to, to work on and not not do that. Ah! Like <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of happened. And I just. And it was it was actually just like now I'm just thinking all about how my voice isn't working like how I want it to. Which, yeah, is going to drag you down. Right. So that's an interesting way of looking at it. The less you can actually even think about what you do with your voice, the better you're going to be, uh, especially when it comes to, to hype casting. That's yeah. So cool. The more natural you can make it, the easier it is. Definitely. So that's kind of again, again, I'm really lucky to not just have casters by my side as friends, but I have a a professional voice actor who's I don't want to give away who he is but he's done some pretty amazing stuff uh that can teach me some other things as well so I, I again this whole tornado of luck just is spinning around me and and I'm so fortunate to be where I am um yeah. but yeah it's it's the voice is super super important and and I say that and I'm like well I don't always treat my voice the best either. But <laughs> I was I was going to say, I know who you're talking about. He's a really cool dude. And unfortunately, I haven't really got to talk to him about voice acting or controlling your voice. Because I think the one time I asked, we were about six soju shots in. <laughs> so, <laughs> As we do. Take care of your voice. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to remember things after that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it just kind of went in circles. <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> But yeah, we don't take, you know, I, I actually I've, I've gotten because I'm doing voice acting and all that. I had a voiceover coach and 
I remember one of the first things he like discussed was taking care of your voice. And he was like, you drink soda? And I was like, you know, yeah, like a normal human being. He's like, don't drink soda. Mm. I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that, man. And he was just, he like, he very much, he was like 60 or something. And he was like, it might be fine now, but it won't be fine in the future. He was like that guy, you know, in, in uh, Mean Girls. He's like, don't have sex. You're going to get AIDS and you'll die. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> but it, it, you kind of need that sometimes just to be told like bluntly like hey don't do this thing and i know i know like you know like some of the things i do are not good and so i need to be better but it, it, yeah it's it's hard so what what about you i'm actually curious what like when you when you have a bad cast what do you do afterwards like when you're like you you know when you're at one of these events uh, it's changed up. Uh, it really depends on when I have like bad issues. Like if I'm, I don't usually get nervous either. But if I really want to do well and focus, I put on music. I have one song that I listen to to really hype me up. <laughs> I think it's worked out pretty well. I have. Uh, I used to draw when I would get uh, like excited about something, just to like let it out, kind of thing. Mm. If I'm really depressed, like after a day, and just like oh, I don't know what to do. Usually drinking. It doesn't help the act, the uh, the voice. But... We all would, we all do that. That's the secret <laughs> to being a caster. Yeah. yeah, usually, like honestly, just getting with the other casters and kind of going over it. You know, <laughs> some of the casters are totally willing to be like, "Yeah, you know, like that was just kind of a weird day." And other casters are like, "No, you did fine, you did fine." But talking it out, and then at the time for Katowice, I was in a really healthy place. You know, you're talking about the whole COVID striking at a time when you were on their high this happened to me too i was on the i was on a cloud nine man i'd been in australia i was invited to do katavice i was going to the gym every day for a month and i had gotten into running so at the time i would go to the gym and just like anger run you know what i mean yes. you just focus on the thing that's bothering you and you just you, you run like an insane amount I've done so those this. are the things that i do i've done that i do it with weightlifting more but yes i know exactly what you mean like i've had that exercise thing where i'm like oh i'm really angry about everything like oh it's fueling my desire to do whatever i'm doing uh i i totally get you like i mean yeah i was like watching stuff i'm like zombie grubs all over the place this is great uh i was like really excited to like see you doing uh especially katavice and stuff like that i mean i think now that's like the biggest event for starcraft of the year right like uh, so yeah that's 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 freaking so cool um but then covid <laughs> yeah i mean we'll never know like how how good this year could have been you know this is the inaugural year for the new format of of starcraft 2 which is important to us and then just in general um you know there was supposed to be more there could have been more interest in starcraft 2 with the the shift of who's really working with the tournaments but we'll never know <laughs> everything's been canceled and uh for every esport really and it's it's fortunate that at least for StarCraft, we were never such top dogs that we could sustain ourselves purely in offline events. Mm. I the only people who can do that are Tastosis, and that's a whole different scenario. Right. And even they are streaming now, <laughs> both of them. Yep. So, you know, we were fortunate enough for that, but it, it's got to be really tough for all the people who, I mean, don't stream, but also like their jobs aren't something that's really translatable to a stream, like interviewers. Like, what do they do? Mm. Hop on a call for thirty minutes and. 15 minutes like you know it's not the same as being in the player pit <laughs> they can't <laughs> being like... yeah i know like um i'm friends with uh ashley kong who is uh, uh lck journalist here uh she's she speaks both korean and english so she does she interviews the korean players and then translates everything uh onto her page and i mean it's it's been difficult to she you know she was on the up and up it was going very well for her as well 
uh, people were really liking her content. And then this thing happened and she can't interview these players face to face. So, you know, fortunately, she can do the webcam thing like what we're doing now to interview players. But it's not the same, right? It just doesn't when you're interviewing a player, it doesn't have that same feeling as being right next to them. Yeah. And just for like, yeah. Yeah, there's so many people that I, I yeah, I really hope are, are working out, I guess, saved for a rainy day or rainy months. But this is just, you know, ultimately sucked <laughs> for everything <laughs> esports. I don't it's think. It's been really bad. It's been Anyone's really denying bad. that. Yeah. And no. uh, real, really TBD on when things are going to calm down again because we're international. You know, while Korea's over the hump, America's question mark. We're going to open, but I'm not sure anyone's going to want to come here. <laughs> Uh, kind of thing uh, yeah so big question marks i know like some places have already said that they're willing to go totally online for otherwise purely offline production is that the same thing for you when uh PUBG just moving everything online yeah they've done that so uh originally the plan for this year was to have like four majors essentially we're going to call it the PUBG uh PUBG global series or something i'm trying to remember the the exact acronym because like half of half of our lives are learning (laughs) learning fucking acronyms (laughs) it's like we're in the military or something uh so so we we were gonna have like four majors and of course the final at the end of the year so they canceled the first three majors now and it's all online and they're separating the regions into asia europe uh north america and apac which is southeast asia australia new zealand um and it's all online now so they're doing the best they can with it. I'm sure StarCraft is probably going to be doing something similar. I I assume I've heard that they have plans, but they're really trying to they would absolutely prefer to do um just do it later, right? Yeah. But it you know might not be an option, so who knows. But like it, I would assume that like ping affects all esports to in a way that pros rightfully will always complain like it's not fair. Same thing for PUBG, I assume. Say that again. The the what will affect the pros? The, the ping, like the ping, if, uh, the ping. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh. Yes. Yes. It's 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 funny because it's nice here in Seoul because like if you're running just a Korea tournament, like you, everybody's living in Seoul anyway, and you get like sure. at worst five milliseconds, six milliseconds of ping, and that's mm-hmm. nothing. That's like unnoticeable as a human being, but it definitely starts to make a difference once you start getting up in the 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Some players play on like 100, 120. That does affect things to some to some amount, for sure. Yeah, I just I figured it would even be more in shooters, though, but I'm not sure. I would guess so. Um, I, it, I haven't played enough StarCraft on Bad Ping to, to say. <laughs> I've played a lot of PUBG on Bad Ping. Because I play with my friends back in America quite often. And there is some oddities and some weird stuff that happens just because of the delay. But generally, games have gotten pretty good about making it feel like what you're doing on your screen is what's happening. It's just like what happens on another player's screen then affects me because like I'll be like move behind a wall because I know somebody's trying to like peek me and shoot me. And then I'll die behind the wall because they had already peeked and shot by the time I like figured it out. (laughs) And so that could be a little frustrating, but. When it comes to my shooting, like it feels pretty natural. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've played Black Ops actually. I think with with Maynard, but mm. it was one of those things where Maynard would just be like, "Cool, I saw nothing, and then I died." Because <laughs> we're yeah. all North American server. <laughs> um, 
So that's why, like, it's got to be more. I guess with StarCraft, it, you feel it for a long amount of time, so it's more tilting. Where at least in shooters, it's like once and you're dead, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, next game. Like, I guess maybe <laughs> that's the big difference. Anyways, it's gonna be frustrating to do all this online, no matter what. Internet's not that fantastic. A couple last questions because we're nearing sure. the end of the podcast. Sure. You mentioned that you now work with a specific caster is that just for the offline events or do you work a lot with him for online stuff too mostly it's the offline events that he and i uh work together we've done a couple online events together now we just did some of the dreamhack open qualifiers together uh which was really fun because we don't usually get to do online stuff together i have a few other casters that i do more of the online stuff with uh when i cover the korea teams for example on my stream uh for pubg I I bring a guy in, his name's Porosaurus. He's another American. Uh, but he, like Matram, the other guy I was talking about earlier, the one I'm usually paired with, he has a family and like a life <laughs> in America. And and so like he can't like because of the time zone difference, when I'm usually casting in Korea, it's like 7 p.m., 6 p.m., and that's like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 2 a.m. in America, right? So for him, it's really difficult for him to just sync up with me when I'm doing stuff. Fortunately, there's other guys all over the place who are always willing to jump on and help. Um, and Poro's been really great. I love working with him. Uh, he's a fantastic. He's done a lot of the big PUBG global events as well, and he's awesome. And so, yeah, I, I usually do the uh, just the offline with that guy. Okay. Do you... Was that something... Is it normal for PUBG to just be like, you two guys are casting this entire event? Typically, that was the way we were doing it. Um, we PUBG wanted to mix it up a little bit. So at we called it the PUBG Nations Cup. It was like a World Cup for PUBG where we had countries for teams instead of teams, you know, like, mm. you know, like Team Liquid, FaZe Clan. We, instead, we just had countries like, you know, Team Korea, Team Russia, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so at that event, they started mixing up our pairs a bit, but then they kind of went back just being like, nah, we're just going to stick with, you know, Paper Thin and Matram and then uh, Sims and Pansy and then, you know, whoever else. We're going to try to keep them together as a duo. I think that just kind of ends up working a little bit better. And I know Zombie in StarCraft, like, it's a little different. You guys get mixed around quite a bit. All the time. There is literally no pairings outside of Tesosis. How do you, what do you, I want to get your opinion on this. What do you think about that? Like, would you prefer to just have someone that you're paired with? Or would you rather, do you like kind of the different feel of working with different people? Ah, it's the guest that brings it up this time. Um, I've asked a lot of my co <laughs> uh, podcast guests about this. Yeah, so it's, it's something that I would like to try to do just a, a tournament, uh, three day or week long or however with just a co-caster to see how much better it feels because we all get along we all can play to each other's strengths um you know if we pair two of our analysts together very i would say almost never are they both just going to be analysts like they can add in the play-by-play -play and stuff like that but i would love to try it just to see if we could grow over the days you know i think it also can help with branding a lot to be able to say it's always us versus it's always me it already happens almost unintentionally from the community that they'll they'll pair the cast mm. together like a zombie nard and <laughs> like nard squish and your names together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, of course. So you can see how it could be a really strong like branding move as well, but 
you know, it could also maybe mean like more like late night study sessions where you're both are talking to each other. And I think it'd be really cool, but I would also really miss casting with anyone else. Like if they told me I was casting with Pig, I'd be like, yay, but also, okay, I'm not casting with Maynard or Roddy. And that makes me sad. <laughs> so we're like, I think everyone I've talked to is really just like 50 50 on it. <laughs> so I like to hear all the arguments for and, and against it. Yeah, I'd say if you put a gun to my head, I would prefer to just work with one person. But that being mm. said, I, I you made a great point where you said it's fun, you know, and it's cool to like get to experience working with these other professionals. Uh, you know, like you said, like whether it be Roddy or Maynard or Pig or whoever you get to get paired with, like that's it. And for me, it's the same. It's really fun to like I got to work with a uh, a caster from Australia named Xenox. Uh, he and I got to do some games together and it was really, really fun because we're both like really hype and really excited. And uh, it was a cool, unique experience. And I'm glad I got to do it. But at the end of the day, like usually I'm just kind of like I, there's like something comfortable about just mm -hmm. working with the same person over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also gives you an opportunity to like the, the first cast with the first time that you cast with someone for that tournament should always be a little bit wonky sometimes it's really natural but mm. there it just makes sense the more you do it the more you're going to be comfortable with each other and the more you're going to be in sync it just it's almost something you can't really argue against so it feels like it could elevate casting for um individuals but yeah i think it's really just the fun like the more i talk about it the more it seems like on a technical level it is the best thing to do but then on the on a fun level, it, it's not. <laughs> I right. want to be able to do everything with, with everyone. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I totally agree. Yeah, but uh, I'm sure other people might have arguments that like it actually makes you grow as a caster to be able to adapt to everyone. And mm. I could definitely see that. You know, if I was if StarCraft 2 really was all pairings all the time and I went into the WCS circuit three years ago and they were like, you're only going to be paired with this guy. I would have maybe never, you know, really bothered learning how to host, you know, be the guy that throws and i would never learn how to play by play so i could see arguments for that too yeah absolutely it's, it's it's not an easy answer there's no there it's a gray area right there's no black and white uh, you know black and white in it i'm right there with you i love working with some of the other casters i've gotten to work with uh but at the end of the day it's just like so comfortable now whenever i'm at an event and like it's me and matt and then like he, we can just hang out <laughs> and like talk afterwards look at each other all googly eyed like oh like we're like we're gonna casting right like oh but uh, oh my God. <laughs> like, but uh, it helps that he's like a really cool guy and we get along really well, too. So like there's that, you know, that's that's a big part of it. Like actually behind the scenes, getting along with your other casters makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Do you make it a point to like, uh, you know, I don't I honestly don't know what it's like for Starcraft. We all hang out. You know, maybe one person wants to get an early night or go to the gym or something, but we all hang out. But we watch like the CSGO casters in their green room and they literally have like like schedules where there's like a morning team and like a night team or whatever so it's very different so for you guys do you always make it a point to go and hang out at the bar afterwards or is it more about your pairings or do you have a lot more people who just go up to the room and call their wife and do normal human things i would say we have more of that we have more of casters who go do normal human things i'm the one who's like <laughs> out at the bar afterwards like talking to the players and like trying to find whoever's out i mean even though matt and i get along extremely well like most of the nights he's just i'm tired i'm going to bed or i'm gonna hang out in my room i gotta call my kids i gotta call my family totally fine i i i do not begrudge people at all like if that's what they want to do i don't give a shit i'm down 
I'm down at the hotel lobby, just talking to people, just seeing what's up. If I'm, if I feel like it, some days I just go back and go to my room and watch TV and pass out. But yeah, I, I'm more of the type to sit down in the rooms and like talk to people. I really like to talk to players and get their opinions on what happened that day, kind of figure out what they were thinking, how they're feeling about things. So I like the players that sit around and talk with me a lot. Um, but some of the other casters do do it, but I, me and another guy named Avenger probably we probably are the two who will sit down in the lobby and just talk to people the most but uh, Toffees does it as well another guy that we work with um he's always down there talking to people um because mm-hmm. he he really likes the personal side of things um and I'm kind of that way too so we're, we're all over the place everybody's all over the board with PUBG do you guys have a disconnect between your casters and your players do you guys just not really communicate very much it's more like casters have their job and players have theirs no uh i'd say in PUBG we have a really good relationship with our players like we we talk to them a lot like we're really interested in each other like we're interested in each other's even just personal lives being friends like what what's really interesting about PUBG is it attracts kind of like a middle ground of personalities like we don't have like you know these players in esports who are just robots you know what I mean? Like they are <laughs> <Yeah>. just they're That's what makes them great. They're methodical. They're mechanical. And that's also their personality, which is fine. They're they're often like some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. But on the other side of it, you got like the really kind of out there, uh, you know, they, they're always out and about. They're always socializing. They're talking to people all the time. They're they're very energetic and they got all these other things. And PUBG, I find kind of has a lot of players that are kind of in a middle ground of all of that. So hmm. it makes it really easy to like talk with them and kind of get a personal relationship going and generally speaking there's a lot of really really nice guys i could think of literally right now there's like 40 players that just pop into my head where i'm like that's a good dude and i would hang out with him like and have a beer with him any day well i mean i guess at the very base level you guys just have more players when that's you sure do starcraft <laughs> you know that's our benefit is of being 1v1 the idea is it, it what could you give me an average of your the age of your players? Early 20s, probably 21, 22 would be my guess. We have some players who get close to their 30s. Um, not many, but most of our players mm-hmm. are, you know, like skipping university to be professional esports athletes uh, or just out of university and just picked it up. Uh, that's mm-hmm. typically the age but you have a few you have a few older dudes out there who are getting it done in PUBG. i mean PUBG is a very it's a thinking game for a shooter it's not a fast twitch as much it helps of course to be able to react to things quickly but you can be good at PUBG just as understanding the game understanding where you should be when you should be doing things like timing is so important so i would say it's kind of fun like that because there's a couple players who are definitely a little older a little more mature uh, that you can hang out and talk with just because of the nature of it. Yeah, when you know when he started talking about your players, I uh, I actually thought you were going to go and say, like, we don't have the um, dude bros, <laughs> meatheads of, like, uh, Halo or Gears of War. <laughs> it's not as bad. We have a few, but the, not really, actually. Mostly we don't. Mostly mm-hmm. we don't. It's, it's, it's like, good, yeah. just good dudes, good smart dudes, generally. Yeah, I mean, the, the you know, there's Gears of Wars guys who are immature, but also nice. The friendly douchebag, sure. I'm sure. Um, I was a Halo player. Like like that. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I've met these people. I was at these events. These MLGs back in the day. Zombie Grub. Oh, 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 oh. 
there is some fun people there let me tell you that it was fun oh boy but yeah like i certain games do attract a certain mindset and it's the ones that like kind of are the outlier that almost always the most interesting ones like the stefano for starcraft is like totally out of what you would think a starcraft player would be you know back in his uh good old days and then i think for like um for csgo i feel like if there was like a really skinny nerd that would actually be the guy i was like wait is he good i just <laughs> csgo and i just think of these guys like as weightlifters like they're they all early dudes yeah Ooh. they got a team and then even like the, the, the skinniest nerd is like you know they're like go and come to the gym with us bro and he's like okay and he gets jacked a year later and you're like okay all right <laughs> csgo players we PUBG just has so many players it's all over the board i mean we have dudes who are jacked we have dudes who are skinny tall short uh everything in between it's just it's really quite fascinating because like i can't pinpoint what a professional PUBG player is it's just all over the map which kind of makes sense again because there's just so many people yeah yeah we um i feel like starcraft a little bit younger actually amongst the um north uh, north american european scene and then it feels like a lot of us kind of see them as like uh i don't know they're, they're if anyone's listening they're going to be offended but like i think there's so many players that we looked at as like babbies and then slowly grow out of their shell and we're all like proud mamas being like oh, he's having a drink <laughs> <laughs> there is that moment when you have one of those younger players and then they kind of grow into things and you're able to like I, I've already got my eyes on some PUBG pros where I'm like, soon you'll be able to drink with me. Like, <laughs> like you're going to hang out with me. And we're going to have a beer and we're going to talk. Like, you, you kind of, it is kind of fun. Like, you're, we're like the parents, you know, like I, I'm about to turn 35. I turned 35 this weekend. And uh, it's fun for me to watch like all these kids. And I call them kids. They're not, they're adults. But like to see them so engrossed in this thing that I, took a chance on when i was younger as being like a passion of mine and that now it's becoming what it is it's just incredible yeah but it's you know coming to a point like it, it just is really important i think that we do have some in my opinion i think we should always have some interaction with the players i don't know of any overwatch or wow i went straight to overwatch i don't know of any esports that maybe there'd be more of a disconnect because i haven't talked to enough people but I do always like appreciate when I hear about casters um, who not just hanging out at the bar afterwards, but actually go down like the player pit, for instance, and and talk to the guys and and try and get like a more personal story out of them. Mm. Do you have a lot of that's uh, happening in PUBG where you have because you know, there's a story of the game, but do you guys push the story of the um, the players a lot? As much as we can. Um, mm -hmm. th there's just there's there's only so much room we have so it's hard with this many players but yeah there's definitely i think for me i'm curious about players mindsets uh coming in and out of a tournament um i'm again i'm not going to name names i can remember uh a, a player at a big tournament whose girlfriend uh broke up with him uh like in the middle of the tournament like at one of the most oh. crucial moments and their team kind of fell apart and it was partially because he was tilted and he was not playing like his normal self. He was missing shots. He normally wouldn't miss. He was shooting at stuff. He shouldn't be shooting at. He wasn't, he wasn't his normal self. And that caused a big issue. And do we talk about that a broadcast? No, but that's something that I'm thinking about in the back of my mind while I'm watching this. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring it to the broadcast in a way that's positive and respectful to the player because 
their personal life is their personal life. I'm very big on this where if if they're comfortable, like I'll ask them, I'll be like, is it okay if I talk about that on air? Would that be okay? And if they say no, I won't. I will just, no, that's fine, dude. I don't, I don't want to, you know, you guys deserve your privacy just as much as anybody else. But mm. at the same time, ha- at least having the information as a caster, whether you use it or not, does kind of inform where you're going to go with your, with what you talk about. Yeah, I think, yeah, bringing in like actual personal stuff is really difficult to do. Maybe I had some signature series uh, videos or players a while ago because we want more player focus in our esport. But while they didn't like go into like someone's grandma died and it made them a better person or something weird like that, it was like a, you know, like the filter was like dark and <laughs> it was all serious and how they've been training for 16 years to finally get to this stage. And it's like, all right, that is a story, but more so when you ask the players, like, hey, what do you feel, what do you feel about this matchup? You know, like, hey, is there anything you were doing on ladder that you can tell me? Those are the things that I think are really cool to bring up. You're not going to get just by reading their stats mm. on Liquipedia or something like that. So it was more like, do you focus on the team aspect? Like uh, Team Phase has had this many losses and this many thingamajiggers, and, and they've, they've gotten second place in this many tournaments. Um, or is it more about do you bring in the players as well? I try to focus more on the players uh, and mm. their kind of mindsets and their ideas and how they're talking about things. Um, for example, uh, when I was at the PUBG Global Championship, uh, I, I talked a lot with a team called the Rumblers, who were an American team full of just goofy, cool dudes, just super nice, super funny guys. They were one of those teams that just sat in the lobby all night and would just sit there and talk to you. And uh, so I got really close with them because of that. And they shouldn't have been at the tournament. They got in on a technicality. Uh, And I can't, because like one team couldn't make it for a visa reason from, I think it was Vietnam. And so they, they had to pick the next like best team uh, from the region that the game was being played in, which was North America. Cause it was like basically last minute. And so they brought in these guys who came in and they performed really well. But what I noticed was when they were, positive about how they were going to play like i talked to them like the night before they would play and if they were positive about it they would do very well and if they were negative about it they wouldn't and it was like i just kept telling them like guys just be irrationally positive all the time you guys play out of your minds when you're just in in a good mood and smart and you know you're not down on yourselves like and then like just because you think you're going to do bad the next day for whatever reason and then you do, I'm like, just stop, just start, just stop that. Like you're, you're doing better this way. So it's kind of interesting to get their, 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 their personality and their mindsets actually do make a big difference to how they play. Yeah. From an outside perspective, I would have thought that it was a lot more about the teams actually. So it's cool to hear that it's still a lot about the, uh, the individual players. <clears throat> Last question. I'm actually going to bring it back way to the beginning of this podcast. Sure. <laughs> You uh you brought up that you did a demo reel. They asked you to do a demo reel just to prove that you mm. can do the the work here. Yeah. Do you think that it is I don't want to say requirement, but do you think it's a really good thing for every broadcaster out there to have a demo reel, even if they're in a particularly uh small, I guess, esport? I, I'm gonna say yes, and I'm gonna uh, uh, clarify it with unfortunately, because. I feel like your body of work sh- should speak for itself and the the people who are going to be looking at you to potentially hire you mm-hmm. should already know who you are and what you're doing and all this other stuff. 
like they should have been watching the events anyway and seen what you're capable of. That being said, that isn't the case. So you should have a demo reel because unfortunately there are lazy people out there who don't do their homework and they want like a one click answer to their, their problem. And you can give them that one click answer uh, and that will get you work. And I'm actually putting together a, a, a highlight reel from my 2019 cast right now, just because I know it, I know it could potentially get me jobs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the original demo reel, has it been used for anything else besides that first job? I deleted it. It's gone. <laughs> it's, uh, that, that I hope is nowhere ever again. Maybe somebody <laughs> in Africa has it. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I hope that never sees the light of day because it is me talking to myself about PUBG for like two hours and it is bad. <laughs> so <laughs> good. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like a demo reel anymore. <laughs> it's gone. It like I, it's gone. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would make sense. It was also your first. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought about, you know, I see um, some of the big dogs of, you know, behind the scenes management and stuff in esports say that you should, you know, uh, who's a Joe Miller has a, you know, he always says like, you know, you should have your pin tweet is like all your socials, ways to reach you and your demo reel if you have one. And, exactly uh, I did what the I was thinking part. of when I was just talking. Yeah, <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, I did the first part, but I don't have a demo reel. Um, and I've always thought like maybe I should because. I guess it feels like something that, especially if you're already ingrained in your smaller esport and you're just, you know, I'm just StarCraft. Like, is there even really a point? Like, do I do, <laughs> would a mostly, if not entirely, StarCraft 2 demo reel really be useful to show someone outside of StarCraft 2? Because that's my conundrum. I, I feel you totally. And I kind of am, had similar ideas, but I guess it's better to have it than not is the best way I can put it. It, I totally agree with you. I like, so agree with you. I'm like, it shouldn't be necessary. Like I do mostly PUBG. Like you can tell how good I am at being a broadcaster. Like, even if you're looking at me for another game, right? Like something different. Like I've done some PUBG mm -hmm. mobile. I've done some other stuff. It, it, it's there. You can go watch it. It's there, but, but it, it, it is not a bad idea to put it together and have it just kind of there for people it just in case you know what i mean yeah I, that's the best thing you can say is that it's like there's no reason not to i mean unless it's sucky <laughs> unless you highlight all your bad time moments. consuming <laughs> is what it is yeah or expensive mm. um god i would much rather have pay someone to not only build the demo reel because i can edit and all that but i would like to pay someone just to find like hey can you go find the ports that you thought i was really good you know <laughs> like i, I don't want to go back and watch myself <laughs> but <laughs> It's probably too difficult. Yeah, to pay exactly. Someone. <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm paying someone to do the video editing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, uh, I have to find the clips. That's the. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I try to keep in mind now. Um, like I did an interview that I thought went really well. That's uh, Katowice, but who knows if I ever actually go. actually make it. But anyways, anyways, thank you for answering all my questions. This was a very enlightening sure. podcast. Oh no! Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have you back. The um, atmosphere in Korea is just so conducive for stuff like this. Yeah, wish I had talked to more more to Tasteless about it too. I've talked to him about like the business side of things, but not necessarily about like casting craft. You should. He'll talk to you about it. Definitely, he would. He definitely would. I mean, he's he's. This is literally he and I will have entire nights where this is all we. This is that's all we talk about. 
And we'll just sit there yeah. and talk and talk and talk. You know, mm-hmm. so it's not often, but it does happen from time to time where we get really engrossed in this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the business side, of course, is important, but the technical side is, I find it to be quite fun and interesting as well. It is, yeah. And you also maybe miss Korea a lot. Oh, I'm, <laughs> so. I, well, Fair. when all this is done, you'll be back out here, I guarantee it. We'll have you back out here yeah. and we'll get some soju and... <laughs> <laughs> Save up that that money, right? And not, yes. not going out to restaurants. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the bright side of things. Uh, mm. So yeah, just thank you so much again. And uh, where can people find you? And what what you know online stuff are you doing? Sure, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Paper Thin here. Um, Twitch is twitch.tv slash paper thin here. Uh, mostly I kind of, I use my Twitch pretty much primarily for casting, but sometimes I'll jump on there and play some games if I'm bored. You could find me on the PUBG Esports News Show, which is on the PUBG Esports YouTube channel. Just type in PUBG Esports and YouTube should be the first thing that comes up. Uh, if you're curious about any of this stuff, you could find my events all over the YouTube Esports channel as well. And most of the events are on there. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, that's I think that's about it. I have an Instagram that I never use, so don't don't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Sounds good. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And uh, I think next week's podcast will actually be with Lemon Kiwi from Overwatch. So look forward to that. Bye, guys. Thank you guys for listening to Caster Calls with Zombie Grub. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Paper Things Journey and talking about PUBG. Shout out to the people supporting at Patreon and a special shout out to Alexander, Nick, and Steven for really helping this podcast continue. Please check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash zombiegrub and see if there's any rewards that catch your interest. Or if you just want to continue supporting this podcast so I can continue making it better and better. With that said, as a reminder, I am going to be moving this podcast release to every two weeks instead of weekly, as I have a lot of other projects that I like to be working on, including StarCraft II History, which is basically writing an essay and sleuthing around for old videos and Yeah, it just takes a lot of time, as does the podcast editing. So hopefully instead of being sad that there's less podcasts every month, you guys can be happy because there's just a lot of really cool StarCraft content coming out. So thanks again for your support, guys. And I really hope you enjoy listening to Caster Calls with Zombie Grub.